You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. Welcome in. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get daily podcast on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson, and we are coming to you from the heart of the Queen City, BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. And I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, a guy who is very much woke, like Kyrie Irving, David Walker. Whoa, that is high praise right there, Doug. Yes, every day, Charlotte Hornets podcast in your ears. That's what we do here. Yeah, trying to trying to stay uh, trying to stay up to date as we approach training camp, and we've been doing these player previews all September. We're going to continue that today with a look at Nick Batum. Uh, make sure if you haven't checked it out yet to go back and listen to our interview with Charlotte Observer beat writer Rick Bennell, who gave some great insight into Dwight Howard and what that's going to mean for the Charlotte Hornets. As I said before, David, it's just it's going to be very weird uh, to see Dwight Howard in a Charlotte Hornets uniform and to have, you know, I know he hasn't uh, been to an all-star game in a while, but to have a star of that caliber in Charlotte once mm-hmm. again, it's, it's going to introduce, I think, all kinds of different dynamics that will be fun to talk about. Oh, my God. Yeah, this team is going to be uh, something to see from the very beginning. I mean, just Dwight, but also, you know, um, maybe the most exciting rookie we've had uh, in town since the Hornets returned. I'm trying to think and do a quick download of my brain here. But, I mean, I think Malik Monk was certainly the most uh, hyped and the fans are most excited to see him drop. I'm I'm struggling to find anyone else that may have been a, a bigger get on draft night. It's usually the other way around by being very disappointed. So you got Malik Monk, you got Bacon, you got Howard, uh, and you got a good team. You got an all-star, right? You got Kimba Walker. Well, and beside Kimba Walker, you also have Nick Batum, who, you know, a season ago, they paid a lot of money to. He's entering his 10th season in the league. Seven previously with Portland. He's approaching now his third season with the Hornets. He'll be making $22.4 million this season and is guaranteed through 2020 with a player option in the final year of his deal. So he's here for a while, David. Uh, Last season, he averaged 15.1 points, 5.9 assists, both a tick above his previous career highs and uh, add to that 6.2 rebounds. So 15-6-6, not a bad stat line. Despite setting some new highs, though, Nick Batum seemed disappointed with himself at different points during the season and in his, and in his exit interview uh, you know, seemed to indicate that there were some improvements to make in his game. So my first question to you, D, is d- does he have reason to be disappointed with last year's performance? So I was going to pick your brain on this, though. <laughs> I was gonna ask too late, too late. Ask you first. <laughs> um, I think so because, again, so much of what happened with Nick Batum last year was kind of reflected in or a result of the reaction from that, uh, that contract, you know. And, like, I- I'm not saying that he felt he didn't live up to that, but I think, I think this team felt good about where they were. They had a successful season the prior year. Uh, and they lost some pieces. So that meant that everyone else returning had to at least do what they did the prior year, if not pick it up in some instances. And and they just had a few of those games where, you know, a, a late turnover, a couple of bad decisions popped up. 
And those are often the things that, you know, are the difference between winning and losing, especially on this team where the margin for error was razor thin, even with everybody healthy. So, yeah, I think it's, I think, I think he's okay doing that. And I think it's probably a good sign that he was disappointed because, you know, look, he, he rededicated himself a little bit during the offseason, stayed in Charlotte, didn't play for the French national team, which we've talked about. Um, so I think it's probably a good sign of anything. And, and I wouldn't be too hard on myself if I'm Nick Tim because you look at his stat lines, he still gave you what you asked for him. But I think, you know, to me, he's looking at himself in those end-of-game situations, right, those different making plays, not necessarily like scoring 20 nights a point, uh, 20 points a night, um, but, but just being more of a factor and helping to get one or two more wins, I think, along the way is maybe what his thinking is. Yeah, I mean, I, how much of it is is was he disappointed in the result? And you know, he's mm-hmm. one of the leaders on the team. So if you're one of the leaders on the team and you're not disappointed in yourself after a season uh, that that uh, doesn't result in a playoff berth, I mean, you kind of have to come out and say what what was my role in what happened because all of the, they all had expectations of making the playoffs, right? But it can be a little weird right. when you talk about a team in the Charlotte Hornets last season that lacks depth. You know, so it wasn't. It, I mean, the starters oh, played. Yeah. The starters played very well. I, but here's the thing: there's no question in my mind that he's extremely valuable to this team for a variety of reasons. His his length and savvy passing skills provide a perfect complement beside Kemba Walker. Make Kemba Walker a better player. Allow him to play off ball. Allow him to be the scoring point guard that he's most proficient being. Um, and, and you know, allows Kemba Walker to use that speed and scoring ability. So last season, Nick Batum's on-off rating was plus 3.7. The team was essentially two baskets better with Nick Batum on the floor than he was off. Again, going back to that depth issue. Um, He didn't really improve his game significantly, though, David, from his first year in Charlotte to his second year. And we've talked often on this show about how his usage percentage – the amount that he's seeing the basketball went up dramatically from his seven years in Portland to his first two years in Charlotte, but his efficiency has not risen, or it's actually gone down. So he's getting the ball yeah. more, but he's being less efficient with it, and I think those are the kind of things he's going to have to grapple with in terms of his offensive game. And then, you know, defensively, he's that's what MKG is for. Is like it's, He's not being asked to do a lot as as a wing defensively, but I think... There has to be some gut checks on that end, especially David late in games. But late. bottom yeah. line, I, yeah. I don't think it's unfair. And correct me here, David. I want you to correct me if I'm wrong here. But I don't think it's unfair to expect him. I know you will. I don't think it's unfair <laughs> to expect him to be at least in a whisper conversation about an All Star appearance on a playoff oh, no. Hornets team this year. Yeah, well, think back to the first year, right? The first half of the first season he was here, he was. I think he was in that conversation, uh, or especially early on. I mean, I think Kimbo was there, but I think Nick had a really good start to his season that year, and he was in that conversation. I think you're exactly right. He should be in that conversation. The efficiency is the big thing we've hit on. Lowest effective field goal percentage of his career last year in Charlotte, which is a bit surprising. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned the defense as well, and it's, it's in little spots. It, but they stick out like a sore thumb and it's those late game scenarios, not getting the hands up, you know, letting an, un, um, basically a guy walk into an uncontested three, just little mental lapses. And the good news is, you know, those are correctable. I mean, you just have to 
constantly remind yourself, watch the film and be ready for what's going on. I mean, Nick's played enough basketball, God knows, in his professional career uh, to know when he needs to get his hands up and, and, and play defense the right way. And he certainly got the coaching staff around him to remind him of that. So it felt like there was just a little too few or too many of those little hiccups last year, especially in late game scenarios on defense. And, you know, you can turn those around the, the efficiency though. I mean, I think that's the big question mark, right, Doug? Because we knew that he would get more looks and more usage coming from Portland, being more of a, of a spotlight player. That's just the, that's the big question. I mean, that's more our hard work and can you put in the time and uh, can you make it, you know, translate over to the games? That's what we just we can't say. That would certainly boost him uh, into that all-star conversation, I think, if he can kick up the efficiency because everything else is, is, is there from a from stat across the board standpoint. And that transitions perfectly into the next thing that you need to know about Nick Batum as you prepare for the 2017-18 season, and that's that he decided to forego playing for the French national team this summer to stay closer to Charlotte and work on his NBA game. This was a this was a difficult choice for Nick Batum. This was a, a conscious choice by Nick Batum. Uh, how significant was this choice by Nick Batum, David? Oh, I'm a big fan of this move. Uh, we've been following the French national team because of Nick Batum for the last couple of years. And it's good. You know, not, it's I, good I not to have to report up. on them. Yeah, exactly. I don't keep up with every player on that team, but something you see from the USA team is like a market improvement in just about anyone that's on that roster. I, I don't particularly see the same thing from the French national team. It's just a different game. Nick, I, I can't remember him having, quote unquote, a good you know, summer with that national team. So maybe that left a sour taste in my mouth about this whole thing. But I think for him, he certainly put in his time with that group, um, given the commitment the Hornets have made to him in form of that contract. I think it was a, a great decision. You know, he's got a, a, new, a new child. He's, he's got family here. Um, it probably makes sense from that standpoint as well. But from an NBA basketball standpoint, I was thrilled to see that move. And I, I hope that it, it pays off because, you know, that French national team, we, we've had people on talking about that before. It, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like the smoothest ride. You know what I mean? No. Like, I don't know, from a coaching standpoint, but there, there's just uh, not that those guys don't enjoy playing together, but. It doesn't do the same benefits, I don't think, as like a Team USA did. Well, yeah, no, you're you're dead on. There were some issues with that French national team. And David, I think back to the last Olympics that Nick Batum played in, and he just didn't look like he was having a great time. You know, it did. It, yeah. he, did he didn't look like he was embracing uh, the joy of basketball in that game. So uh, I think maybe some of that played into it as well. But I, I, I take him at his word. I think, you know, he's entering his 10th season in the league. AKA like the final few years of his, of his peak playing ability. And, and I think he's just sort of looking at it and going, look, I, I want to walk away from the NBA saying I gave it everything I had. And, and I think if yeah. you're a Hornets fan, you have to be excited about that prospect. I expect big things from Nick hey. Batum this year for that reason. I do too. And let me just, I just want to comment on the, the contract, I think, because it's such a big deal. And obviously, the further away you get from the offseason, it happens, I guess, the, the less it's talked about. But I think around here, especially Hornets fans or, or people that peek in on the Hornets from time to time and look at his stat line, right, and look at the wins and losses for the Hornets and then look at that massive contract, um, you have to take into account the timing. I mean, these contracts are all timing. And he was the benefit of some great timing, a great offseason to be 
a wing player. You know, they're learning a lot of choices, and he benefited from that. And the Hornets had to make good on that trade and, and keep him around for the long term. So I think there's a lot of discontent perhaps from fans when they look at that uh, contract, but you, you really can't, you know, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a one-to-one type thing, right? I mean, that, that timing came up and it worked out to his benefit. But, but isn't, isn't part of it, isn't part of it too though, David, that I don't think it's all timing. I, I think like, think back I think people take for granted how good the time. how good the offense is right now. Like even even they were ranked 14th oh, yeah. in the league last year, and still how fluid how fluid the offense is right now compared to before he arrived. I mean, yeah. ball, the ball movement has been revolutionized with Nick Batum on the floor, and I think people just sort of quickly quickly take that for granted. Right. And Kemba's, you know, he's had his best years. A lot of that credit goes to Kemba as well, but he's, Nick has certainly helped him that too. I'm just saying, like, I hear a lot of times, like, oh man, he only scores 15 points a game and da da da. And, you know, I think people are looking for a 20 point per game score. I don't think the Hornets ever envisioned him necessarily being that on a night to night basis. They don't want him to change his game. They certainly want him to help them keep winning. But I, I just, you, you kind of have to separate and it's hard to do, uh, but you can't you know, quote unquote, blame him too much for that contract because he made good on it and uh, he brings so much to the team, you know, in other areas, aside from just the points per game. So I think, yeah, he's so important to this team just in being there and they've been the best they've ever been with him here. Okay, if you had to pick one thing, David, for Nick Batum to improve most, um, you know, just a skill, uh, what what do you think it yeah. would be? Well, I mean, we've talked about the, the efficiency. I think... Um, he gets so much of his threes on, on the, on the catch and shoot, maybe a little more off the creation on the ball, but you know, it's, it's really the little things. I mean, um, aside from the, just the shooting efficiency, uh, like we mentioned, the late game scenarios on defense. Um, and because the points are there, I mean, the, across the board, the stats are there. So that's the, for me, that's it. The late game situations, it, it's not dropping the ball on the defensive end and it's being a little bit better shooting efficiently. Yeah, one thing I think he has to improve on is taking care of the basketball in crucial moments of games oh, yeah. last season. He averaged 2.7 turnovers per 36. His first season in Charlotte, he averaged 3.0. That was a career high. Now, he's a creator, and he's a creative creator at that. He's fearless with his passes, and while a majority you know, end up on target, some result in, in turnovers, and some of those are bad turnovers. Now, they were down, obviously down slightly year over year last season, but it was the timing of the turnovers that bothered me. In a year where losing close games was a major storyline for the Hornets and a factor in not making the playoffs, Nick Batum had 15 turnovers with less than six minutes left in the game and overtime when the margin was five or less. So that's my that's the crunch time designation, the best one that I could get from basketball reference. So Nick Batum had 15 turnovers in those situations all season. Just for comparison's sake, his first season in Charlotte, that number was seven. So it doubled. And and we're talking, and you know, 15 doesn't sound like a lot when you compare it to the total number of turnovers, which I believe was in like the 140s. But, you know, those those turnovers were in crucial moments in games that were not decided by a very uh, uh, not decided by very many points. So if he wants to be the primary distributor, he is the primary distributor on this team. He has to come up big for the team in yeah. uh, big situations. So that's that's my biggest improvement. David, 
Under yep. what circumstances would Malik Monk compete with Nick Batum for minutes at the two by year's end? That's a question I feel like is starting oh. to creep up. Like what in what circumstance would Malik Monk compete with Nick Batum? As in take his starting spot as not a take two, not take his I don't think that's in the yeah. I don't think that's in in, okay. in the cards, but I'm saying at what point would would Malik Monk start to eat a few of his minutes? Right. Well, I mean, I, let me know if this is not what you're asking, but I mean, to me, it depends on whether or not this team can afford to be on the court with, with MKG. Maybe it falls a little bit on him if, if the offense is not clicking or if they're not producing and they decide this and they decide to slide Nick down to the three and you can have a competent Malik Monk step into the two. I think that would be uh, a scenario. But as we've highlighted, I mean, they rely so much on Nick. He's so important to how this offense works. One of the better starting fives in the league last year from that perspective. So I think it's going to be pretty tough for a rookie to come in there in a vacuum and, and take, and take those minutes. No, I think you're dead on. Actually. I, I think that uh, Nick Batum is, is too valuable late in games. I think he's, you know, they, they value how smart of a basketball player he is and the decision-making uh, ability that he has on the floor that I think it's going to be de- very difficult for Malik Monk, despite his shooting prowess, uh, to take minutes away from Nick Batum early in this season, uh, it would probably there would be some injury factor there. Do, you know, does Nick Batum miss time? Yeah. I think that's the only scenario where uh, uh, Malik Monk. Now, there I think there are going to be plenty of situations where Malik Monk and Nick Batum share the floor together. Yeah. And to me, that's yeah. exciting because then you're talking about yeah. a similar scenario to where Nick Batum made Kimba Walker a better basketball player. I think if Nick Batum and Malik Monk share the floor. That's going to make Malik Monk a, a very great basketball player. Yeah, I think that's the more likely scenario. See, I mean, just think about the height that you lose in the backcourt with subbing in Malik Monk. You have Monk and Kimba back there together, which, you know, I think we'll see some. But going from Nick to Malik Monk changes things a lot. And like we said, he's just so important. But yeah, uh, adding Monk to the mix in any form or fashion is going to be is going to be fascinating. But this is a, this is a Nick Batum podcast. So from that standpoint, I think he's safe. Save it to starting role. Well, and and here's what I'll wrap up with because I I think what someone out there who does want to see Monk maybe steal a couple of Nick Batum's minutes is thinking about this because I've sure. seen a lot of fans clamoring to see Nick move to the three position to add more offensive mm-hmm. punch to the starting lineup. Is that something you believe would work this season? Yeah, I mean that's what I was just hinting at a little bit before. If at times, you know, it's going to be tough to have MKG out there. If, they, if they've got a score and they want a few more options, I think you, you could see that. Um, just MKG kind of puts himself in that situation with not being able to, to produce uh, scoring-wise the way today's NBA is going. But, yeah, that, that would be the scenario I think that could play out um, as well see if you slide Nick to the three and then uh, slot Monk in there. It's just we, we, we just don't know how they're going to be able to use Monk. Can they use him at the one at all? Is he going to be confined to the two? You know, so, I mean, there's a couple of different scenarios you could see. I, I start to wonder if they could get a bit of a bodyguards 2.0. Remember mm-hmm. when uh, David Wesley and Baron Davis used to play a lot together? Oh, yeah. A slimmed down version probably between Monk and, and Kimba there. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, I think you're – so Nick Batum played 47% of his possessions at the three last season. So it's, it's not out of the question that – you know, you're going to see okay. him him play there a, a, a little bit, but not, but not the starting unit because you need 
the fact is, and this is the fact that the Hornets can't run away from at this moment, they need Michael Kidd Gilchrist in the starting lineup to guard the best wing at the beginning of the game. Because that that's the thing I, I can't that I can't seem to make some people understand that like Nick Batum does not have any interest in guarding the best wing doesn't I don't know if he is really able to and I don't know if it benefits Nick Batum and and his offense that they need late in games for him to be chasing around the best wing on the floor game after game so that I mean that's uh, the, that's yeah. the, that's the reality that's that's what the, that's what they have right now and, and and that's why I think Michael Kidd Gilchrist remains in the lineup at the three position for the Charlotte Hornets. All right, finally, before we wrap, David, what's a Nick Batum stat line you'd be satisfied with? Points, rebounds, assists. He did 15, 6, and 6 last season. What are you satisfied with? Uh, the, or or last season, what are you satisfied with this season? Yeah, I think if he could add two more points, uh, 17 points a game to that already pretty robust stat line, I mean, I think that would be a big jump. That's what I was kind of looking for between year one and year two. Um, you know, I just don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen because last year was a career high. Um, that has been kind of where he's landed throughout his career. But um, if you're counting on, on him upping the efficiency, then that, then that is in play. But, I mean, I think 17 points a game gone in with those uh, rebound and assist numbers would be, would be a heck of a season. All right, good stuff there on Nick Batum, the starting shooting guard for the Charlotte Hornets. We'll be back tomorrow with another player preview. But before we go, we've got something – uh, just a little bit different. Uh, as you may have heard, there is a new host of the Locked On Panthers podcast, Bill Rossetti from Panthers Wire, the USA Today blog on the Carolina Panthers. I had a chance to chat with Bill yesterday about the Panthers, a little about the Hornets. We learned about him and why you should be listening to Locked On Panthers every weekday. Take a listen. All right, so Bill, you've taken over Locked On Panthers. How's it been so far? It's been good. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, kind of taking over a team that really was never my team growing up. It's always fun to kind of broaden everything and just just get more of a broad look at the NFL, really. So it's it's fun, and you know, I've always thought the Panthers are a fun team. I like Cam Newton and all those guys there. So it's just fun to watch them and talk about them. It's not your team growing up, but you've been covering them very closely on uh, Panthers Wire, the USA Today blog on the Carolina Panthers. How long have you been covering the team? Uh, I actually just started back around March or April, I believe. It was a little before the draft that I jumped on with the two wire sites. So not long, but you know, I saw the openings and um, reached out to Tim and he actually more he reached out to me after a tweet that I put out just wanting to be a part and he brought me on and it's been fun ever since. Excellent. Well, tell me about this Panthers season so far. I guess we'll we'll start with Cam Newton, you know, coming off that shoulder surgery, a lot of questions about how he would do in these opening few games. What's been your assessment so far of of his performance? Yeah, you could tell the rust is still there. Obviously, he didn't play a lot in the preseason, so he's still kind of working his way back from that injury, I think. He's gotten a little better i thought he looked a little little better in week two than he did in week one but he's certainly still missing some throws that should be there um one in particular was late in the game where the panthers could have put the game away he had mccaffrey kind of wide open right at the goal line and just pretty much missed them flat out so the panthers had to settle for a field goal and it took a 
missed pass to uh, Zay Jones from Tyrod Taylor to win the game for the Panthers. So still some work to be done, but I think progress is certainly being made. And I mean, you know, two and O is two and O. You are what your record says you are. So we're recording this on a Monday, so this could change. But what's the latest on Greg Olson uh, going down with that broken foot injury? Uh, have the Panthers placed him on IR yet? Is he done for the year? They've not placed them on IR yet. That is certainly an option because the latest report is that he'll be out six to eight weeks with that broken foot. So the possibility is there that he could be one of the uh, designated players to return. Well, they won't necessarily designate him, but they can place him on IR. He'll miss the eight weeks and then bring him back later in the season. And I would say that's probably what's going to happen just to kind of give him that time to rest and it would free up a roster spot for the time being defense has played stellar allowed six points in the first two weeks i i don't believe they've allowed total 400 yards of offense yet what's i mean we know about the 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 linebacking core you know keekley thomas davis they're going to hold things down you've got mm-hmm. julius peppers back but, but talk to me about the secondary because it feels like these the quarterbacks Worley, bradbury these guys have like grown up overnight what's going on they they have they really have it's it's a night and day from last season. Bradbury has really taken more of a leadership role among the quarterbacks, and Daryl Worley has. You're seeing the progression from the preseason into these first couple of regular season games. So really, they've they've done a great job, kind of taking away some of the top options. You know, you look at yesterday against Buffalo, they really didn't move the ball all that well. Matthews wasn't involved much. Zay Jones didn't do a whole lot. So. Really credit that secondary, even the safeties. You know, I've always been a big fan of Kirk Coleman. I always say he's one of the more underrated safeties in the game. So, yeah, the, the secondary has really been a major improvement so far from last season. Bill Rossetti, he has, a, he has not uh, been covering the team very long, but, boy, he knows his stuff, and it shows uh, in your podcast, Bill. Uh, before we let you go, I know you didn't grow up around here, so you're probably not a Hornets fan, but what do, what do you know about the Hornets? Well, Kemba Walker, I know, is one of the top stars in the league and is one of the reasons why the Hornets have been around compl- playoff contention for the last couple seasons. I know they have a lot of uh, young studs there and a lot of growing bodies that are still trying to develop you know and in in an eastern conference where really it's a lot of the bottom spots in the playoffs are up for the taking the hornets are always going to be there you know kid gilchrist is another guy that i've seen kind of develop from his time in kentucky so i think there's some some good players there it's a nice core uh so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from last season after getting in the playoffs a couple of years ago. That's a great answer. It begins and ends with the captain, Kimba Walker. Uh, Bill, last thing, tell people what they can expect if they subscribe to Locked On Panthers and get your daily show. I'll just be, you know, giving my thoughts, recapping the game from the previous week, looking ahead, going to try to do some uh, crossover shows as well as the season goes on. I'm in talks with, uh, the host from the Locked On Eagles podcast, um, Mark Schofield of Locked On Patriots. So be on the lookout for that. Going to try to get some Facebook Live episodes as well. So a lot of good stuff planned that I hope to share with the great fans down there in Charlotte. Bill Rossetti, he's the host of Locked On Panthers. The Panthers right now 2-0. and We'll see if they can uh, keep this train going through the rest of the season. Bill, we will be listening. Thanks so much for joining us here on Locked On Hornets. Thank you, Doug. 
Thanks again to Bill from Locked On Panthers. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, Open up your favorite podcast app and search Locked On Panthers. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe on Overcast, iTunes, and and give us, if you're on iTunes, give us a five-star review. If you're on Overcast, each episode, give us a star. It helps us move up the rankings and helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow with another player preview and much more. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.